Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Water Cooler, the world's most statistically average sports podcast. Brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, number one podcast network for professionals, featuring 449 shows with a stable of former players and local media personalities. Check us out today at Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V. My name is Ryan Saber, the most electrifying voice in sports information, and with me as always. Yo, it's me, it's me, it's Lukey C, a.k.a. the Crockpot. What are we talking about today? Captain Cleveland. We got a guest. We have a guest. We have a, in preparation for the draft, this is officially draft week. This is our NFL draft preview. We have an expert, an NFL draft expert, a fellow Believe podcaster who also contributes to uh, the NFL Draft Bible on Sports Illustrated, Alex Gilstrap. So we'll get to him in a little bit. Before we get into that, a word from our sponsor. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. This week, we're doing draft props. What do you got? I got four. I'm gonna, I got I'm gonna, four. I'm going to read four off here for you just real quick from betonline.ag. Okay. Third overall pick. I think. Oh, you're it, going the third overall pick. You, so I think oh. it's Justin Fields. Plus 175. I think that there is a ton of value on Trey Lance. So I'm taking Trey Lance to be the third pick. Plus 325 at betonline.ag. Okay. Moving on. Caleb Farley, draft position over 23.5, plus 110. Okay. Devontae Smith, over 11.5, plus 110. Okay. Kyle Pitts, over 5.5, plus 150. Now, look, these are the way I bet props, okay? I want the plus money all the time. Yeah. I'm not trying to lay points on draft props. And I, I like those. I'm not, I think that those have value. I'm not saying they're going to hit. I think that those have value. So you think that Atlanta's trade now is what you're saying? Ah, I think Atlanta could. Or you think they're taking a quarterback? Yeah, I think, I think Atlanta's, I think Atlanta's taking a quarterback. Okay. I, I do. All right. So here's mine. Rayshon Slater over 9.5 plus 110. I like Slater possibly at eight to Carolina or nine to Denver, but I think Denver may end up trading up. And I think new England may actually end up trading up to eight where Carolina's at. So I see Slater potentially sliding out of either definitely out of the top 10. So we're going Rayshon Slater, number two ranked offensive tackle over 9.5 for plus 110. Rashad Bateman. Under 27.5. Under, under, so basically I see him going 27 or sooner. That's plus 110. I think that there's a chance, and I've seen other people start to have maybe number 20. 
Maybe. Bateman might go before Devontae Smith, or he could go 26 to the Browns or whatever. I think that uh, Bateman is definitely going to go before at 27 or sooner. Total Alabama players selected in the first round. I'm going under 5.5. That's plus 150. I think the number is at five. I think it's the two receivers. I think it's Sertan. I think it's Mac Jones. And I think it's one of their offensive linemen. I do not. I one of their offensive linemen, you know, Leatherwood or the other kid. I do not think that Najee Harris is going in the first round. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And then the last but not least, over five and a half quarterbacks plus three fifty. I'm. I've been telling you, I'm sticking to it. I'm going to ask Alex in the interview. I can't wait to hear what my man Alex has to say about. I this. believe that there will be a sixth quarterback taken in the first round. I think that it's going to be Kyle Trask. So I'm going over. 5.5 and I may put um I may add a little extra cheddar cheese on that one a little extra cheese we're going we we may put extra cheese on the pizza on that one so we'll see what, well, what happens. what's the number on that it's 350 five a, it's five and a half and it, it's plus 350 for the over. what's what's the uh what's the juice if you pay it <sighs> on the on, on the under it's like minus 150 or something if you go under hmm it's because it's a lock. So head to betonline.ag with your computer or mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Get in on these props. Bet online, your online sports book experts. So with that, let's welcome in Alex Gilstrap, co-host of Believe in NFL Draft Prospects. He's also a contributor to NFL Draft Bible on Sports Illustrated. Alex, thank you very much for being on the show today. Yeah, no, appreciate you guys having me. Before we get into any of this draft prep stuff, just uh, for fans of the water cooler, talk a little bit about NFL draft prospects. Talk about the pod. Let people know what you guys are doing over there. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, Ryan Roberts, as you may know him on Twitter, at Rise in Draft. Joe DeLeon, we we co-host our podcast. We're putting out plenty of interviews. I think that's what makes our podcast a lot different than than the average is the interviews that we bring, the insight that we bring. We've had guys on like Greg Russo who might hear his name called on Thursday night, day one, uh, all the way to some smaller school guys like Spencer Brown and uh, and Ellerson Smith, who are some Northern Iowa guys that a lot of people are big fans of on day two. So, um, you know, I think I think we we bring a unique approach to the draft process, but we also come out with a, with a more informative kind of round table type discussion about these NFL draft prospects year round. So uh, really exciting stuff. We're about to amp up, obviously being draft week this week, uh, really exciting stuff. And uh, we, I think we, I think we're going to put on a live show with uh, Maverick sports um, consulting. So we're going to have a lot of fun this week. It's a big week. This is what we do year round. So to have this week come to fruition, it's, it's going to be exciting. Great. I, I love uh, I love that you guys get prospects on the show and talk to them directly. Um, it's 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 awesome just listening to it. But um, I had my, my first question is, uh, what do you think the overall strength of this class is? We, we noted last week on the show that this draft class is about the third of a size of what the class was last year, about six hundred and fifty some prospects compared to about eighteen hundred in, in past years. So what do you think the overall strength of this class is? 
Yeah, for me, if you're talking positionally, you know, everyone clamors to the wide receiver class, but I think that's something we're getting year in and year out is the wide receiver class is always stacked. And I think that's just a testament to the athletes that college football is producing at this point. For me, I I really love the cornerback class. If you really want to get a a day one starter at the cornerback position, I don't think you have to get Patrick Sertan or, or JC Horn in the first round. There's plenty of guys down the list. Uh, so cornerback's a big strength linebacker again kind of like cornerback you can get starters all across the board Uh, and offensive tackles one that really excites me I think there's so many guys that you know have the tools the physical profile to to build into a pro bowl level offensive tackle that's really exciting that you can get you know third fourth round of this year's draft so I think if you if you're if you're one of those teams looking at offensive line Uh, or the second level of the defense, I think this is a perfect draft class for you. I hadn't planned on asking this question, but (laughs) you, you, my ears are perking up. We're Browns fans. Uh, I think when you look at the Browns at at 26, I think corner is definitely the direction the Browns may go. Let's say the Browns don't take a corner at 26 in the first round. Let's, I'm, I'm more interested in maybe some corners. You talked about maybe not necessarily need needing to get Sertan or, J.C. Horn, who are some guys maybe day two or maybe even day three guys that you really like in that cornerback group? Yeah, if you're talking about outside guys, some guys I'm a big fan of. Eric Stokes out of Georgia. Uh, you got the you got the speed. I think he can cover zone coverage, man, press man coverage, off man coverage. He can really do it all and be a versatile piece on the outside. Afitu Melifonwu, Syracuse's big athlete. That is someone that just from a physical prof, you know, physical athletic profile. This is someone you want on your roster because I don't know. I don't know how exciting he'll be day one, but I think by the end of his rookie season, you get some good coaching, you get him, you know, next to some NFL veterans. I think if if he to Melifonwu can be an exciting piece, but someone a little bit further down the board, I'll even discuss, you know, maybe that'll be a third, fourth. Those are kind of second round guys. Benjamin St. Juiced out of Minnesota. Benjamin St. Juice is 6'3", 200, got the length, got the size, and he's got fluid hips. This guy's just a fluid mover. I wouldn't say he's a 4'4 guy. Uh, so he's not going to – he's not he's not super explosive as an athlete, but his technique, his his, his football IQ, his his spatial awareness, combine that with great length and good size, and he he's, he's a handful for outside wide receivers in the Big Ten. I like that. All right. Now I got some there. other guy. Now I got some other yes. guys to look at. The kid from Syracuse is—he's a big dude. He's like six three, like two fifteen, right? Oh yeah, and he's a—he's an athlete. So yeah, to be that big. I think he's—I think he came in at six two two twelve. I think was his okay. official if I remember correctly. Pair that with four, you know, sub four four speed, mm. good quick feet. I mean, he's a lot of fun. He's got some technical things to clean up, but that's nothing that you you should worry about transitioning from Syracuse to the NFL. If he didn't, he'd be going in the top ten. <laughs> right, exactly. He'd be up there with Sertan and Horn if, if that was the case. So, no, it's an exciting cornerback group. And, I, you know, I'm looking at my, my positional rankings right now as we're talking. And, I mean, you can go down 20 deep and you can get someone that I believe could start by year two. And it's it. just that deep of a class. So kind of along similar lines there, you talked about some offensive linemen that go back. And a lot of people are interested and a lot of Twitter debate going on with uh, the Cincinnati Bengals at five. They're probably going one of maybe maybe three ways if you want to throw pits in there, but uh, it's probably Stuhl or Chase, and there's kind of a philosophical debate on there. So if you if you believe that you can get uh, 
you know, starting to, uh, caliber linemen later in the draft. What, where do you land on what, what Cincinnati should do? Yeah, for me, it's, it's, a, it's a topic of conversation when you're talking opportunity cost. So you talk about Pene Sula at number five versus a day two wide receiver because you you would you would imagine that's where they would head in day two if they get got Sewell at number five overall. Or you can go chase at five and look at offensive tackle later. And and though I really do like this offensive tackle class, I think Sewell versus the rest of the class relative to Jamar Chase versus the rest of the wide receiver class is a bigger gap. So for me, I'm protecting the quarterback on day one. I'm getting the the all pro level potential Penny Sewell uh, as, as it has the left tackle of the future in Cincinnati. And I'm looking at wide receiver later on. You have T Higgins who kind of is a similar mold to what you have in Jamar Chase, not a superb athlete, not sure. to separate, but just really fluid, really physical. There's similar molds. And I think another guy like that, that can be a boundary wide receiver. And I think, I think you can get some of those guys on day two. You can get a Nico Collins out of Michigan. You can get the Diami Brown out of North Carolina, who some are even saying could push for the first round. But, you know, you have some of those guys on day two that I would feel comfortable enough. Wide receivers typically translate better than offensive tackles, especially on those day two day offensive tackles in year one, year two. So for me, I'm going Sewell. I think he's the – he, he's closer to being that blue chip generational talent than Jamar Chase. I'm a big Jamar Chase fan. He is my number one wide receiver. And I understand Joe Burrow, the LSU connection, what they did in 2019 is just so exciting for what that could be. But look, Joe Burrow got hurt last year and, and obviously things happen, but the offensive line and the strength of that offensive line just did not help him in any which way. And if you want to be, if you want Joe Burrow to be the quarterback you saw in 2019 at LSU, you got to let him get a little bit of space. He's a great, he's a great out of structure. He's great when he has to make it up on the go, but you know, you want some, some semblance of protection in front of him. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Same. All right. So look, we can talk tackles. We can talk <laughs> corners. Let's talk about the glamor position. Let's talk about quarterbacks and let's just start in the place that, and it, we'll get to Mac Jones in a minute. I want to talk about Zach Wilson. I, I think that <laughs> – are you sold in that Zach Wilson's the second-best quarterback in this draft? And do you think – this is a two-part question. Do you think that there is a possibility, even small, you know, 2% chance that the Jets surprise us and actually do the right thing and take Justin Fields there? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously Zach Wilson, you got to talk about that 2020 season and just how efficient he was and how much, how much splash he was able to, to create in, you know, that 2020 schedule that BYU had. I think he's worthy of a top 10 selection. I, if I was a team in the top 10, I think Zach Wilson's worthy of that, but I'm with you. He's my fourth ranked quarterback, actually. Um, Me too. Yeah. I'm a Trey Lance guy, but Justin Fields is QB two for me has been since the summer. Actually me and Ryan go, you know, uh, co-host Ryan, we're going back and forth about this all season about Justin Fields versus Trey Lance. And then of course, Zach Wilson was creeping up boards uh, as he had some stellar play, but there's some questions. He had shoulder surgery in 2019 or after the 2019 season that he had to come back from. And that that's due to some of the, you know, that that's what, to give credit to for some of the inconsistencies you saw, you know, before the 2020 season, but I don't know, you have to question level of competition. I hate bringing up the level of competition because I think it's blown out of proportion. And obviously, you know, I'm talking about Trey Lance being ranked ahead of him who plays at the FCS level, even a lower level, but I don't know. There's, there's a lot to his game that, you know, 
resembles Patrick Mahomes, which everyone wants. Everyone wants Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes. And, you know, he can throw from different arm slots and he, you know, he can create, you know, uh, when, when the play breaks down very well. And I just think the general accuracy is just meh. Um, I think there's, you know, you don't have the same, he's an athlete, but he, you don't get the same athleticism you get in Justin Fields and Trey Lance, who I think can run, you know, can give you those 20, 30 yard gains like you see with Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, some of these, you know, young up and coming quarterbacks that I think are taking over the NF, you know, the modern NFL. Zach Wilson's a good football player, worthy of a top 10 pick. I'm not sold on him being the number two pick, but it seems like that's where everything's trending. Do I think that that's a lock? You haven't heard any speculation. I mean, we're, you know, we're recording this on Sunday and to this day, we haven't heard speculation that the Jets are leaning any which way outside of Zach Wilson. It's Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson. Would I be completely surprised? No. Uh, you got a new coaching staff in there that a rookie head coach, you know, with Robert Sala coming over. You have a lot of moving pieces there that aren't accustomed to having to make these decisions and, and deal with the media in that same limelight. So they might have just said, hey, you know, Zach Wilson's going to be our guy. Zach Wilson's going to be our guy, maybe. And then they might fold and they might say, you know what, maybe it is Justin Fields. You know, maybe it is Justin Fields. Maybe it is Trey Lance even, you know, I – I think it's going to be Zach Wilson ultimately, but would it completely shock me if Justin Fields or Trey Lance was the pick at two? No. And that's just a testament to the four of them all being worthy of top 10 selections. And they all bring different skill sets to the table that, you know, any, any individual person can prefer one over the other. And I can completely understand. So, you know, we talked about fields go, or I'm sorry, Wilson going to the jets at two pretty strong indicators with Mac Jones to, uh, the Niners at three, and you're 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 with us. You're you're along with us. We think that Justin Fields is QB two. Are are you buying at all? Like I've said on this show that I completely reject the notion that they would take Mac Jones over Justin Fields. And even if they do it, I might just reject it anyway. But where where do you what, what do you think what, what do you think's happened there? Yeah, I think I think it's just a smokescreen. You know, before the Sam Darnold trade, the Jets, there was some ideas out there that they may just give Sam Darnold one more chance and and maybe just try to build around him, give him one more chance. And if he's bad, then they're in a good enough position to take a top quarterback in next year's draft. So there was those rumors before this Sam Darnold trade. And I think and that's when the Mac Jones to San Francisco at three with that trade up started to catch fire. And I think it really was a smokescreen. I, I think that the San Francisco camp really wanted to get out there that Mac Jones is our guy so that some of these teams that may pay up to get Justin Fields or Trey Lance or feel the need to, you know, go up to two to jump San Francisco were comfortable with the fact that they were going to take Mac Jones. And, you know, obviously the Sam Darnold uh, trade came out. And since then, Mac Jones's name has slowly started to fade away. We're starting to see Justin Fields' name and Trey Lance's name kind of resurface for that number three pick. For me, I think Trey Lance is going to be the pick. I do. I, I just have this inkling of thought that Trey Lance from a pro style system, he kind of runs a Shanahan style system at North Dakota State. Everything you're hearing from the media, from, you know, the NFL uh, throughout this pre-draft process is that Trey Lance is a whiteboard warrior. I mean, he really, really understands the game of football. And you can comp- you, you combine that with his superb athleticism and arguably the strongest arm in this class. And I'm including Trevor Lawrence in that, you know, sentiment there. Trey Lance really from a physical perspective might be the best quarterback in this class. He's right there with Trevor Lawrence in that regard. The only questions are one year starter. You know, he had the one game in 2020 where he didn't look that great, but 
you know, you got to take that with a grain of salt, in my opinion. You know, you're, you're not planning to have a season once it gets canceled. And then, you know, the week before you have a game that you had to start preparing for. I'm not taking that game with much, much regard. But physical, uh, physical skill set, the athleticism, the ability to read defenses, you've seen it all over his tape. He runs that system where he is scanning a full field, which you can't say about Trevor Lawrence. You can't say about Justin Fields or Zach Wilson, Mac Jones included. None of those quarterbacks have been tasked with reading and, and diagnosing defensive schemes in front of them like Trey Lance has. And I think you, you know, we talk about Mac Jones and, and his fit or whatever with the Shanahan system and how he, you know, he resembles Matt Ryan and he resembles, you know, Kirk Cousins and these kind of guys, these Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, similar skill set. To me, I don't know what physically Mac Jones brings to the table that Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't already have. <laughs> yes. And and you and you you're telling me that Kyle Shanahan's this quarterback guru and this offensive guru, why would he settle for the least physically gifted quarterback out of this top five? If you're the quarterback guru and you're the offensive guru that you are, which I believe Kyle Shanahan is, he's a great offensive mind. Wouldn't you want the physical, you know, the physical tools that you can mold because you are the quarterback whisperer, you know how to get guys to play above their level of play. I'm taking Justin Fields or Trey Lance, those guys that have the physical skill sets to optimize that offense even more once you get them caught up to speed with, you know, being able to diagnose defenses and, and playing at that NFL speed. I think it's, like I said, Justin Fields is my QB too, but I think just from a scheme standpoint, just hearing little things here and there, Trey Lance, it might be the surprise pick at three. It sounds like he's got the highest ceiling, right? Uh, and, and similar to what you were saying, I, I, you know, I've heard guys on ESPN, Lewis Riddick, who, who I respect a lot. I talked about this on the pod a couple of weeks ago. I mean, they just rave about his ability to pick up an offense. You, you called him the, the whiteboard warrior. So not only is he just a physical specimen, but he brings the mental component of his of it as well. Yeah. I, I hear you, man. I, I agree 100%. Tell me why you think, because again, we all agree here, Justin Fields is QB too. Why do you think that he he's like, his perceive his perception is like slipping in the eyes of is it is it completely just us and, and it might be a thing where he just goes three or you know is it just boredom are we bored with the process and we just start to nitpick and he's just been number two to Trevor Lawrence dating back to his senior in high school and we're just trying to find something that's wrong I I, I don't understand it yeah I think you know like you, you alluded to there Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields they've been compared to since they were sophomores in high school coming up as, as high school recruits growing up within 30, 45 minutes of each other, elite 11 camp, the back and forth in competition there all the way to college. Trevor Lawrence gets the head up. He gets the true freshman start. He has that, you know, incredible true freshman season at Clemson. Whereas Justin Fields sat behind Jake Fromm, didn't really get to, to showcase too much, had to transfer out. He was left a year behind and Trevor Lawrence, you know, it, he is a, great prospect generational prospect in the in, in my mind I think he's he's the best quarterback prospect we've seen in over a decade so it's just unfair to Justin Fields to have to be compared to Trevor Lawrence every step of the way every you know every 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 place they go every milestone they reach I think they're they're always going to be compared to each other and that's going to go through the rest of their career and it's just unfair to Justin Fields because to me Justin Fields would be QB one and more draft classes and not it just happens to be that trevor lawrence is in this year's draft class right. 
Uh, I, I even went on record, you know, probably halfway through the, the college football season this year that I think Justin Fields would have been my QB one last year over Joe Burrow. And, I, and that was high praise. And, you know, after that, he started to have his struggles, you know, uh, the Indiana game, Northwestern game that he had uh, before building it back up in the in the semifinal game. You know, I don't know why he gets such a bad rap. You know, some people talk about the the offense and how easy the Ohio State offense is to to find success in, and you know, using Dwayne Haskins and using some of these, you know, JT Barrett, court, you know, kind of quarterbacks that have been in that system over the last handful of years, and how when they went to the NFL they didn't do anything. And I just really do think that's unfair to Justin Fields because you know that at that point you're scouting the helmet and you're telling me that. An Ohio State quarterback can't succeed at the NFL level. And Justin Fields is not Dwayne Haskins. Justin Fields is not JT Barrett. He's not Cordell Jones. Justin Fields is a top quarterback that talent-wise, he's going to walk into the NFL and be one of the top 15 quarterbacks in the NFL from a physical standpoint. I really do think so. And, and you know, like I said, they talk about the ease of that offense, the one-read offense, the quick hit and stuff. Trevor Lawrence does the same things at Clemson. They're, the 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 Clemson offense is RPO based. That's what they do, and so I I don't I don't I really like you said I don't understand where he gets the bad rap from. It might be a boredom thing, but I think there's a lot of I think there's a lot of storylines going around about Justin Fields and his ability to read defenses. It's just really unfair to him, and I think one person said it of major media and everyone's just clinging to it. When, if you turn on the film, I think he's getting to a second read, third read more than Trevor Lawrence is. That's just, that's just how I feel. Yeah. And the funny thing is too, when you compare him to, excuse me, when you compare him to previous Ohio state quarterbacks, that Ohio state offense with fields looked nothing like it did with Haskins Barrett at, you know, going because he can do more. Yeah. Right. It was an offense where they were going way more downfield. He, he barely threw screens, any of that stuff. And they did a ton of that stuff with Haskins. So I just, I'm just confused by it is all. Yeah. I mean, it's just one of those things. And in Alabama, it's just a classic overthinking. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a classic overthinking. You're exactly right. So it's just one of those things where everyone just assumes that it's, it's, it's really assumption based. That's exactly what it is. It's, it's everyone assumes that that person that came out with the story talking about Justin Fields and how easy the Ohio state offense is and starts comparing them to these Ohio state former quarterbacks and now everyone's just you right. know, scouting the helmet. That's it's as simple as that. And it's just really unfair to him. And I think I think Justin Fields, with all this noise coming out, I think he's going to have a chip on his shoulder. And he's a competitor. You saw it, you know, uh, in the national championship and in, in, in the college football playoff. His ability, you know, he's a leader. Everyone clings around him. I think he's going to win the locker room. He has the physical skill set. He's tough. He's poised. And, and his ability to bounce back after a couple of rough rough weeks towards the end of the regular season and bounce back the way he did in the playoffs in the, in the spotlight, the way he was, I think is really impressive. And I think he's only going to ride that momentum and that chip on his shoulder to the NFL. I love it. One of my uh, favorite props on betonline.ag for the draft is quarterbacks in the first round at five and a half, the over under. This is a conversation Luke and I have been having a lot over the last couple of weeks. I am of the opinion that I believe that we, you know, whether it's Washington at 19, Chicago at 20, or even, you know, somebody trading back up that doesn't get one of these quarterbacks at the end of the first round. I, I potentially think there could be six or even seven. So I'm just curious what you think. And, and I hear you, like you make that cringe face because it's a huge number. And if somebody screws around and takes, you know, Kyle Trask or Davis Mills in the high teens or in the 20s, it's probably a mistake, right? It's a reach. 
what do you think? Do you think it's going to stay at five or do you think we could get up to six or seven? Yeah, it's such a, you know, the, predicting quarterbacks being drafted in the first round is always such a, a tough one to, to the, dissect and it really stems from the fact that we know that five quarterbacks are going in the top 10 or 12 and it's hard to imagine that you're going to go 20 straight pick 20 22 straight picks in the first round without another quarterback being taken but you know you look at the board Davis Mills would be next for me Uh, of course you have Kyle Trask who honestly I think he would be in the conversation of a first round quarterback had he not ended the season the way he did he obviously ended on a cold streak not playing his best ball towards the end of the season. <laughs> you could. Yeah, you, you, you mentioned two teams on the back half of the first round in Washington and, and Chicago that definitely have a quarterback need. Uh, New Orleans is another one, you know. For sure. Have, yeah, obviously they have Jameis Winston uh, for this year. I think he's going to end up being the starter in 2021, but you got to you, – I don't think you can, you can trust that to be your, your long-term solution at the quarterback position after Drew Brees, but – you know, there are teams in play for it. I, you know, I, I don't think so. I think so it's your gut's telling five. you five. My gut is telling me five, and okay. it, but it is. I, I, I understand the thought process of, you know, it's hard to imagine 22, 20 straight picks without a quarterback being taken when you're talking about how important that position is and, and how willing teams are to invest in that position because of its importance. But I just, at the end of the day, Davis Mills, if he didn't have the knee injury concerns, maybe. I really like Davis Mills' film. Uh, I, I actually have him and Mac Jones in the same bucket uh, as far as their 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 ceiling. So, um, Ooh, I yeah. love it. I no, love yeah, it. They, oh, yeah. They're, both, they're both in the same tier for me um, with Kyle ahead Trask. Ahead of Kyle Trask. Oh, yes. with Kyle Trask. No, no, no. Uh, ahead of Kyle with, – okay. with Kyle Trask coming afterwards in his own tier after that. I just, so. wanted, to, I just wanted to bang him a co-host. So, He's in love so with Kyle Trask. I love Kyle Trask. I, 6'6", 240. He was all shredded at his pro day. I love what he brings <laughs> to the table. I love it. And I and I hate pro days. So, basically, what you're saying is is the biggest, the biggest reach for quarterback that you see – is going to be Mac Jones then, right? I mean, you, you think that the rest of these guys are going to kind of fall into place where they should go. Yeah, I, you know, honestly, the quarterback position obviously is a huge need. And would I fault Chicago or, or Washington in 1920 taking Mac Jones? Probably not. I, I don't have him graded there. Um, I don't think he's a first-round talent. But I can understand because of the – I love it, man. Yeah, the quarterback position is so important. So if you're telling me 1920 or – you know, New Orleans at, at, you know, at the back half of the first round where they're at, I, I wouldn't blame them to take Mac Jones, but the top 10 talk is just too rich, especially when you have the four quarterbacks already in the top. I mean, you're talking about that's half of the top 10 is quarterbacks. And I just don't think Mac Jones is in the same tier in this same stratosphere as the four above them to me. It's just, I know it's, it's an accuracy. He, you know, he's a good pocket manager. He's a good at, you know, putting the ball in playmakers' hands, but how you know how impactful is that really? I mean, I, I that that I just don't see a high ceiling, and that that's just where I'm out on Mac Jones. I think. Love it, love it. I got one more, Luke. What do you got? Go ahead. Yeah, I got. Uh, so we talked all about uh, you know some some different positions here, but give us your favorite prospects. Who, who are two or three guys that are just your guys? Okay, I like that. Okay. Uh, firstly, um, and I, and, you know, we have to talk about Kyle Trask for a second, because over the summer I went on record, I was the highest on anybody on Kyle Trask. I said, this guy's going to be a day two pick 
And, you know, everyone's talking about him as like a late, you know, mid to late day three guy. I said, this guy has a lot more to him than you think. I went on record saying he was my senior quarterback one going into the season, but then everyone just surpassed me. And that's that it was just very sad to see that, you know, I felt like I was high on him and then I couldn't claim him anymore because everyone jumped the gun when he had, you know, had the, the first half of the season that he had and started talking about first round talk. It was, well, we were, we were all over that. We were all, uh, over well, you know, on our podcast, we, I felt like we were talking about Kyle Trask week in and week out for a little while there because he was just p- p- playing very, very well. And you had to, he was just someone you had to talk about, but then everyone just started, their opinions started going too far. And I was like, oh, let's calm it back down. Like, he's, he's, he's a fine quarterback, but he's, he's not a first rounder. He just doesn't have the physical skill set, the, the arm talent and the athleticism to be a first rounder to me. Um, but let's talk about some of my guys. Uh, firstly, Levi Onuzarike, Washington, uh, the, the defensive tackle. Uh, you know, you just talk about pure athleticism. I think if you if you put him in a lot of different other situations, he would have been a lot more impactful from a stat sheet standpoint. Washington, they do this thing with their defensive linemen where they move them around and play them like out of their out of their alignment. And it really just minimizes their impact. But talk about pure athleticism, explosiveness, his ability to win quick, quick wins as a defensive lineman is just so important. Sure. The ability to, you know, just right off the line, hit him with a quick swim and you're in the backfield within a, a, a second and a half. And that's just so impactful because at that point, the quarterback just does not have enough time to, to read it and react. So Levi and Uzurike for me is someone that if you, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he went on the back, the back end of the first round, but it's probably going to be an early second rounder that I'll be excited to see. Uh, moving forward. Um, another one I'm a big fan of, you, you, I'll talk about a linebacker need because I know uh, Cleveland's probably looking that way, if not on day one, on day two or three. Uh, Pete Warner, Ohio State. Uh, the, everyone talks about Baron Browning and that that being the, the exciting Ohio State linebacker, but I don't think he's the best one. I think Pete Warner just brings such a versatile skill set. He can defend the run and in his run gaps and his run fits are just so impressive, but he's an athlete at the end of the day, 6'3", 240. Uh, he can move. Uh, and he's, he's really, really smart in zone coverage. He's not one of those guys that just drops to a spot and, and just sees what comes his way. I think he really understands spacing and leverage. Uh, spatial awareness is just through the roof. And you combine that, like I said, at the beginning with his, his ability to, to play the run. I think he's, he's an every down linebacker prospect. That's not being talked about enough. You want another one? Let's give another. Yeah. yeah let's go. Let's one more. It. Let's do it. One more. Let's do one more. Let's go to the offensive side of the football. And, and, and I'm clicking through my, uh, my sheet here. Oh, I know who it is. It's Deontay Smith uh, offensive tackle from East Carolina. Okay. Yeah. I talked about the offensive tackle class, you know, being fun and, you know, you want, you have these guys later in the draft that I think are developmental potential all pro mark my words, Deontay Smith will not start in year one, but in year three, he'll be a pro bowler. He'll be a borderline pro bowler. I, the foot quickness, the violent hands, he just dominated and one-on-ones at the senior bowl during practices, you know, we got the coaches film uh, being credentialed and, Man, Deontay Smith, they're built for defensive linemen to win because how often are offensive linemen and defensive linemen in one-on-one situations in gameplay? Not very often. There's usually some, some kind of, you know, uh, a zone where, you, you know, you're getting chipped by certain people. 
but it was true one-on-one, which is built for defensive linemen to win. And Deontay Smith dominated every single guy he saw. I mean, whether that was uh, Carlos Basham, who's probably going to be a day two pick, or that was Quincy Roche, who's probably also going to be a day two pick. He was just play in and play out, snap in and snap out, just dominant. Compare that with his or combine that with his uh, his superb athleticism, his foot quickness, his cadence. It's super, super impressive. Uh, someone that I came on to late, uh, his film watch um, from everyone else on draft Twitter. But yeah, he's one of my guys. I think, I think I'm willing to put my foot down and say he's going to be a pro bowler by the end of his rookie contract with, without question. I love, love it. it. Love we, it. Only, we only got a couple minutes left, so I just want to hit you with one more quick one. Okay. We're hearing J.C. Horn. We're hearing Patrick Sertan. You know, Micah Parsons obviously has the talent, but there's some off-the-field stuff going on there. But who do you think is going to be the first defensive player off the board, you know, whether it's, you know, 7, 9, 10, wherever it is, who do you think it's going to be? Yeah, the easy answer is Patrick Sertan, and that's, that stems from a couple different reasons. Coming from the Alabama tree, there's a, there's a level of trust the NFL has in that Alabama tree of defensive backs. He has a father that played really well at the NFL level. So you, you're comfortable with his translation from a locker room perspective. He's going to know what to expect at the NFL because he grew up with his dad going through it. I do think that's the easy answer. But J.C. Horn might just be it. Yeah. Uh, J.C. Horn, there, there's going to be coaching. If if there's a front office where the coach, the coaches get a hold of the, uh, of the decision in any shape or form, I think J.C. Horn is going to be the coach's CB1 or is Patrick Sertan's going to be the GM's CB1. So it really comes down to who who ultimately makes that first cornerback selection, whether that's Denver at nine or it's uh, Dallas at 10, who who seems to be a favorite to, to take that first corner. Uh, I'm obviously Dallas at 10. Jerry Jones calls the shots. At, I'm suspecting it'd be Patrick Sertan. But if a coach has a say in the decision, J.C. Horn's going to be their favorite prospect in this year's class. And it just stems from his his behavior and his mindset and his want to just get better every day in fact you know jc horn he's friend of the show JC yeah horn, no, i was he, just gonna he, say that yeah he's he's a friend of the friend of the podcast and i i really just love the person the yeah. person jc horn is someone that you want to root for and someone that you're confident isn't going to fail because of his work ethic and I, i'm comfortable saying that you know his ability to play press man coverage, which to me is the most important coverage in the NFL. If you can just shove someone at the end, at the front of the, uh, you know, at the beginning of the snap and not let them get off their spot, you're going to win more times than you're not. You, you're going to throw off the, the timing of the play. And that's just, there's, there's nothing more valuable at the cornerback position. So Patrick Sertan, like I said, easy answer, but JC Horn, if the, like I said, if the coach has a say, J.C. Horn's going to be their guy, uh, whether that's at 9, 10, or, or thereafter, whenever that first cornerback selected. For me, it'd be J.C. Horn. I just love the person. That's, it, it, there you have at it. The, at, the, at the end of the day, it's talent you have it. the person. There you have it. If, if the Cowboys take J.C. Horn, Mike McCarthy has officially replaced Jerry Jones as the GM. <laughs> that's it. You heard it here you, first. You heard it here first. <laughs> All right, well, uh, wait, what, real quick. One word answer. One word answer here. Jeremiah Owusu-Karamoa, is he a linebacker or is he a safety? He's a safety. Woo, thank you. Thank I agree. You. I agree. Safety. He's a safety. That's all I got. All right. With that, Alex Gilstrap, thank, thank you, you so much, man. So much awesome. for coming on the Water Cooler co-host. Guys, everybody listen to Believe in NFL Draft Prospects. Read this guy, NFL Draft Bible on Sports Illustrated. And uh, hopefully, hopefully we can get him back on 
Uh, I'd love to get you on, you know, more during the season, you know, not just draft week, but, you know, have you on every once in a while to kind of talk through the process a little bit more. We, we really appreciate the time, man. Yeah, for sure. Just let me know. I, I love talking ball and, you know, this is a lot of fun. So just let me know. Uh, I'm willing to talk ball all year round. Thanks, man. Thanks for coming. Man, awesome interview with Alex. That, that was a great get. I got to give Luke all the props on that one. He reached out and got that one, man. That, that was awesome. Yeah, those guys are so good at what they do. I, you know, I, I said it to them. I love talking to film grinders just because, you know, I don't understand. I don't, I can, I can sit here and watch it and think I know what I'm looking at, but those guys understand it so much better and they provide so much more context that, uh, you know, context to the numbers. And that's what you need. This is, it's not just one or the other. You need context to it. So I think you've just been hanging out with me too much and you're spoiled. You know what I mean? Like you're just so used to, next level takes that I don't think you appreciate. Uh, you know, you're you right. Need- I, now I, I got some informed, educated takes from my man, Alex. It was great. It was so great. Yeah. So listen, NFL draft party live 429 this Thursday at the corner bar on spring garden street. You can either come in person or we'll be streaming on zero dark nerdy's Facebook live opportunity to win a thousand dollars if you are there in person and you pick the first 10 picks in order you will win one thousand dollars period my man stat boy colby said he's gonna do it he said he's like i'm gonna get this thousand dollars i'm gonna quit this intern job yeah, we got an intern now for those of you that actually watched uh we we jumped on facebook live on what Friday night and Colby was there for the first, for the first time. And he's a good dude. I'm looking forward to having him on the show. So we're, we're excited about Colby being on. So shout out to Colby. I sent him a text message yesterday and I said, start thinking of some ideas for the show and stuff like that. Because once we hit the draft, it's basically just NBA playoffs and major league baseball. It's a, it's a dead period until August. So we're going to start coming up with some topical stuff that we can, uh, that we can get people excited about uh, week in and week out. You got anything? Any else? draft stuff we can break down after this? Look, trust me, we can make the NFL last. But uh, he's young, man. He's got a, he's got a hip perspective. We're old. We're washed up. So I, I I want the young guy to come with some good ideas. So we're looking forward to it, Colby. You got anything else? That's it. Big thanks to Alex Gilstrap from NFL Draft Prospects. Everybody, check it out uh, on the Believe Podcast Network. Don't forget at WC Sports Pod, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, like, follow, subscribe. We are now available on all your favorite streaming platforms, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify. You can find us anywhere. Anywhere that you consume podcasts, you can find us. And you can also find us on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Check us out today at Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V. And as always... We are presented by the one and only betonline.ag. With that, we love you and enjoy your lives. Live draft show on Thursday. Somebody suck me.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.